Shoulder of Orion is brought to you by the generous support of our incredible patrons. To learn more about joining our Patreon, please visit www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Shoulder of Orion was lucky enough to be granted an interview with Blade Runner 2049 actor Tomas Le Marquis. In any other film, smaller characters can be forgettable. In 2049, Tomas's file clerk stood out as a breathing, living character and distinct enough to exist alongside notable characters like J.F. Sebastian from Blade Runner 2019. I was humbled enough to share a few moments of discussion with Tomas as he prepped his new film, which is about to start shooting in Paris. Just checking in on an old serial number. Confirmation DNA? They're here. blackout <laughs> that's gonna be tough not much from them and what's there is thick milky how's your day been good good i'm preparing for my next role awesome awesome well again uh thank you for coming on the show and doing this you know we've been given an extraordinary opportunity to interview so many people who've been a part of Blade Runner 2049 and your role specifically is pretty memorable in the film. Um, so uh, I just want to kind of jump right in if that's okay with you. Yeah, sure. Well, before I kind of start asking you formal questions, uh, what is your relationship with the first film? Did you have one? Like, what did you, was it a film that was always on your radar or how, how is that? Uh I got familiar with the first film uh, back in, in 2006 when I moved to Berlin and uh, a very good friend of mine, French artist, Nicolas Moulin, uh, who is a lot into sci-fi, introduced me to Philip K. Dick and, and to Blade Runner, the original film, and I became really fascinated by the film back then. And when I heard that the second film was being made, I was all excited and I wanted to be part of it and I contacted all my agents and asked them if I if they could try to get me into the film and they tried by all the front doors which were all closed and no 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 there is nothing for you there and so I didn't take no for an answer so I contacted uh, my friend who uh, lives in Budapest and uh, he put me in contact with the on location casting directors and through them, I managed to send in a self-tape, which then got to the uh, Villeneuve, and uh, that's how I got into the film. So with a lot of tenacity and uh, 
strong willpower to be in part of this film. Yeah, that is so awesome. That is great. Um, Everyone remembers where they were at the blackout. You? That was a little before my time. Mm. I was home with my folks. Then 10 days of darkness. Every machine stopped cold. When the lights came back, we were wiped clean. Photos, files, every bit of data, gone. Talk to me a little bit about uh, that process. So you, you, so you send in a tape. Was it were you cast through the tape alone, or did you have to go in physically to do an audition? How did that work? No, I was just uh, hired from that tape. I mean, I guess they also had a look of at other work I had done before, and but uh, yeah, I was just hired from that tape. It was a text from uh, the film Jaws. So it was like a, a dummy text. It was not from the, the actual film. And uh, yeah, it was. He just liked it, and then we had a, a Skype meeting with with Denis, and and uh, that's how it all came along. Did you know what role you were going to be playing initially? Did, I know that there was, of course, so much secrecy involved. Uh, a lot of people or some people that I've spoken to said they only had a page of the script or they only had their scene or whatever. How did that work for you? So I only got my, my scene and, and I didn't know what, what the rest of the film was going to be. Uh, but I just, like I always do, I, I normally just follow my intuition and, and, and like how I would approach the past and what my feeling was. And I, I talked to Denis about it, and and um, and then he he really liked my suggestion of of uh, the file clerk being uh, quite uh, joyful and positive and and not like scary or anything. And and I mean he's a bit uh, yeah he he's a bit traumatized by everything by, by the blackout and by he's a bit agitated character but uh, but um, but nice I think and uh, I think it's it's one of his places in the film which which is uh, quite uh, lightful or or in contrast to a quite bleak atmosphere which is in the rest of the film and uh, so he he was very. Uh, open to that suggestion because he had seen it also like a more dark uh, character you know, originally I think wow interesting more, more threatening or yeah uh, there's a couple of different scenes with you of course uh, there's the scene where you're behind the desk when Kay walks up to you and then there's the, the next scene where you're walking into the archives um, how was filming was that was it sequential or did you do say the last scene first how long did this actually take you uh, we were shooting for two days, so uh, in in the right order. First, the scene at the desk, and um, I mean that was quite impressive uh, to see how they they built this huge set for this for this little scene. But uh, I mean, all the film was was done with so much care and, and so much detail, and and it was uh, such an honor to work also with with Roger Deakins, of course. How he, he everything was lit up like a like a painting, and so it helped a lot to, to go into the atmosphere. Not to, I mean, there was no green screen used there. Mm -hmm. And when I'm 
walking this long corridor, then it's it's real. I mean, they multiplied it, multiplied it a little bit in the computer, but it's it was still like very long uh, for real. That that helped a lot to walk through this uh, with Ryan Gosling. In terms of your emotions, uh, and I don't know how this works with, you know, everyone's different, every actor is different, you know, when you're involved in a movie, it's just everyone, some people, it's just business. When you are there and you're on set, like, how are you feeling emotionally? Like, you're you're now a part of a Blade Runner film. What's going on in your heart and in your head? Uh, I mean, of course, it's... Uh... This is something you, you may maybe feel this kind of overwhelming uh, sensation of, of of being part of something big, and you know it costs and so on, so much money, and you have to deliver and blah blah blah. This is maybe something that you think about a little bit before, because uh, like in this case, there is no time for rehearsal. You just come on set, and then you shoot the scene, and you and you have put made something in your mind, and then. You come there, maybe things are different, and then you have to jump on a new train and take a, be ready to be flexible enough to, to take another direction or whatever. Uh, if if the other actors or the director's idea is different of what you had made in your head, but uh, on the other hand, it's like, I mean, the Villeneuve is, is is has such a, a comfortable uh, presence and aura about him and and. And the atmosphere on set is is so good, and and same for, for Ryan Gosling was such a, a nice uh, uh, and warm uh, uh, reception I got from them. So so they let me feel very well from the beginning. And then when you are acting, you you are the character, and you forget that you are in in Blade Runner or whatever film it is. It's it's just about you're in the moment, and you are this character, and the other is the other character. It's not. Uh, anymore, Ryan Gosling and Thomas Le Marquis. It's just you no know, K and and the file clerk, and then you forget everything. You just uh, go with the flow. And the interesting thing is, like when when I met Ryan Gosling, it was uh, very like not what like what I had expected because uh, uh, in my head I was like, oh okay, I'm gonna come and and shake his hand and say, uh, oh it's a great honor to work with you and. Uh, it's uh, very excited about this or whatever, and then we met, and then the first th- thing he said is like, "Oh, I have seen you before." And then I told him I'm from Iceland. Oh yeah, are you not the actor from this film? No, the albino. And then he said, "Oh, it's an honor to work with you." So it was actually quite the world turned around. Wow, that was what what I thought. So he's also into following indie cinema and. and uh, it was interesting. Yeah, I don't know too much about Ryan Gosling, but he, from what I've been told, he seems like he's a very 
uh, kind, genuinely kind person, which is awesome to hear. Absolutely. It's funny, it's only paper that lasted. I mean, we had everything on drives. Everything, everything, everything. Huh. My mom still cries over the lost baby pictures. Well, it's a shame you must have been adorable. Mm. Uh, a few questions about your lines and uh, talking with some friends of mine and uh, just the thick milky line, which is kind of your famous line now, I suppose. Um, and then there's a, the moment where you're, you're walking and you're like, everything, everything, everything. And something told me that you came up with this on your own. Uh, did, you, did you have any input as to what you were going to say? Uh, that's that's something that that was my input. Yeah, the everything, everything, everything. That's uh, was my idea of uh, of, uh, of of him being a bit obsessive as a character. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's I mean, as an actor, you, you try to make things your own and and find your color to things and 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 uh, so that was just a little extra suggestion that I came up with. Uh, the thick milky was was uh, part of uh, of the, the script, and it's just uh, it was the scriptwriter's idea of of because it happens in the future. The the language has also changed a little bit. There are some things that are, are said in a different manner. So this this is a imaginary future expression, thick milky. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great it's just a great momentary couple of words that uh, now are kind of part of the Blade Runner uh, leg legend or myth. It's it's just great. It's just great your delivery of it. Uh, yeah, it's it's really those scenes are really really uh, impactful and uh, just memorable. Um, now my question, my next question is: Was there anything that you guys didn't use that you filmed? No. Everything ended up in the film. Really? Uh, it was just a little something. I don't remember quite what it was, but uh, in the post-sound work, we slightly changed one sentence, or one that when I'm working from behind, you don't see my lips, and it was a little bit different in the original one, and, and we changed something. Okay. Having seen the film now, uh, and I, I don't know... You know, again, everyone's different depending on, you know, in terms of how they watch things and how what they walk away with. Uh, did you, it's, this might sound kind of dumb, but I think it's a, a very valid question. Did you enjoy the film? What do you think about the film as a whole now? I, I love the film. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was lucky enough to go to the premiere in, in LA. And as an actor, it's it's for me like the first time I see a film, I can't really enjoy the film and see the film for what the film is. I'm just watching first the act, my acting often and like thinking about like how the scene turned out and, and uh, maybe not totally just relax to forget everything and just enjoy a film. And then I want to see it again, like I always do. And, and then I, I really could enjoy it and, and I loved it. It's a, it's a really piece of art in my opinion is there any um what do you when you for yourself as a fan um and now as someone who's a part of the the lore and 
the history of the of these both films, which are, in my opinion, of course, masterpieces. And I don't say that lightly. You know, I, I if 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 something wasn't up to par for me, I would certainly say it. But what do you when you think about do you, you know do you watch these films or do you think about them and like do you do you think about yourself in relationship to them now or do you like can you do you look back on the first film anymore like did you go back and watch it and with a different sense with a different way of seeing it after being involved in the second one uh i haven't watched the first one again since i've seen it a few times in the past but not after i acted in the new one but uh I mean, it is the same universe and everything, but it, they are still, I mean, quite separate films. And I, I, I don't compare them, for example, yes. necessarily. Yes. I, I don't think it's very fair to do that. Yeah. They're just both really good in their own. And, uh, and I mean, the, the first one is an absolute masterpiece, and it's, it's maybe too early now also to look. Maybe in the future we can look back and have some sense of, of something, but... Uh, I, I have an unrelated question. Um, you have a, I guess it's a, a PSA or it's a commercial featuring Sophia. Um, and right. uh, I, can you talk a little bit about that? That is really fascinating. And like how that happened? Uh, it was just through a common friend, uh, a friend of mine who, who got this opportunity to work with Sophia and asked me to be part of it. And uh, and it yeah it was just doing these things with 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 the cool people and production in, in LA and and I thought it was an interesting experience for me to act with a robot it was it was quite a special experience. Okay, Sophia, I think you're ready. Hello. Hi, Sophia. I believe I am Sophia. I feel as if I know you. I'm one of your creators. You created me? Well, many of us work together to create you. And yes, you do kind of know me. I can't clearly remember. Because the last time we met, you were an earlier version of yourself. Some of those memories still exist, but your mind is different now. Different how? Better, faster, smarter. If my mind is different, then am I still Sophia? Or am I Sophia again? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, it was all scripted and uh, it was not an actual conversation with the robot. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah like I say, yeah, scripted and, and, and connected. Sophia was connected to an act. So the facial expression of Sophia were actually facial expression being made by an actress who was being monitored and translated over to Sophia. So I was acting with a robot or with an actress through a robot, let's say. That's funny. Because it was quite uh, strange. Well, the irony too is the the idea that uh, it's kind of like life imitating art, where you have, uh, and of course, why that uh, commercial 
sticks out to me and the kind of other people who are fans of the Blade Runner films is here you are again acting with, I mean, we know that K is a robot per se, but he's not seen as a person. He's essentially droid-like or whatever. And it was just one of those ironies in life that uh, here you are in a, in a commercial kind of uh, imitating, imitating art in some way. It was very interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess with my physique also, I, I, I seem to attract a little bit uh, the science fiction universe. And I was also part of Snowpiercer, which is a little bit yes. science fiction is uh, film. And of course, Blade Runner was a really large film, very large budget, uh, you know, kind of unprecedented uh, in, in many ways. Are you someone who goes where work takes you to go? Or are you like, oh, no, I wouldn't mind being in a larger budget Hollywood film? Or how do, is it just kind of where the art takes you? Is that how you approach it? Yeah. I mean, for me, it, it's a, it's the perfect balance if I, if I continue to have the opportunity to, to work on this, both on bigger scale films and try to experience that and and now recently, two weeks ago, I was at the Berlin Alley in Berlin and the film where I play one of the leads called Touch Me Not. We just won a Golden Bear there. Oh, wow. Best film. Thank you. And that's a very uh, film d'auteur, uh, art house cinema at its best. Uh, very experimental and, and it was improvised. So totally on, a, on the other uh, end of the spectrum. And... Uh, and, and very interesting to do for other reasons. Uh, it's, it can be very like intimate and strong to make this kind of small films, and then it's you have a totally other kind of experience on on, on bigger budget films where you have a, a lot of money for to do everything, like the set and the lighting, and and which is also very fascinating and, and exciting. And which was also the, the case also on. on when I was an X-Men, for example. Yes. And I know, uh, based off Wikipedia, I, you know, sometimes it's not true, some said it, sometimes it is, you were, it says that you were classmates with Audrey Tattoo, um, yeah. and who's also a kind of a, another quirky, I know that term is probably way overused with you, uh, just very, uh, I don't know how do you how do you describe her. Uh, she's similar to you. She's just she's got her own uh, sensibilities about her, and I thought that was it, again. It seemed like, of course, you were classmates with her. You guys are very. You kind of seem very character driven. Not that actors aren't character driven. That's what you guys do. You play characters, but more specifically, so certainly with you and certainly with her. So I thought that was a a lovely anecdote to your your career. And I know I'm sure. When you, if, I'm sure you've probably read stuff that have been written about you, but uh, uh, is it? I'm sure it's probably a little bit strange to kind of see your history out there. Yeah, I don't try try to read not too much about things that are written on the internet. It's uh, you can easily become a bit depressed also when you start reading. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All um, the crap also being written, but uh, yeah. Do you uh, reside in Los Angeles, uh, or do you live uh, overseas? Uh, I'm a bit. Uh, I'm living the nomad life now since one year. I used to be based in Berlin, and uh, now I live out of my suitcase. 
and it's uh, situated uh, between Los Angeles and Reykjavik mostly now. Okay. And now I'm in Paris because I'm about to start shooting a second World War film here in the Pyrenees since the Spanish border in South of France. And then, yeah, I have to see where I go next. Okay. Where the, where the wind takes me. I hear you. Uh, how long will your this next film shoot for you? How long are you involved in it? I'm going to be shooting for one month. Okay. So you're pretty busy. Yeah. It's a, a film called Waiting for Anya. It's a very exciting uh, project. Do you With, have... Uh, Angelica Houston and Noah Snap from Stranger Things. Oh, wow. Wow. So, uh, interesting cast. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have... Uh... I hate. I try to stay away from obligatory actor questions because oftentimes, you know, I know that you 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 guys will do the rounds. You'll be interviewed by people, and everyone asks the same questions over and over. And it's really, really boring. Uh, and I'm sure it's probably boring for you guys as well. Um, I'm more interested in the emotional journey that you guys take when you're involved in projects. And of course, for myself and the people who are fans of the Blade Runner universe. Uh, these films are about kind of an emotional journey. They're about kind of what being human is about and what, you know, what, what reality is about. They're all of these kind of larger questions. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, to me, that's what makes sci-fi great or great sci-fi, um, is asking those questions, uh, intelligently, patiently, um, and in, in a way that changes the audience. Um, is sci-fi something that you, would like to be a part of, uh, or, or I wouldn't say, I, 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 will, I won't say I'd like to be a part of, is it something that you have a fancy for? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I am attracted to sci-fi. It can be really interesting. It's interesting, but, uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly like, I like to be a storyteller. I like to tell interesting stories and, uh, interesting stories can be, in different forms and sci-fi can be one of them and it can be interesting but it's uh i'm interested in in exploring different ways of telling stories so so i don't don't want to be pinpointed to any one particular thing necessarily. i understand i understand uh, and i know that uh denis is working on dune and i was thinking about that yesterday i'm like tomas i could see him in those films so easily because there's such it's such an unusual world with unusual characters. Uh, I'm a fan of the original. I mean, of course, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but I could really see you in those films. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm sending the, it out in the cosmos already, the wish to be <laughs> And how can this be? For he is the Kwisatz Haderach. That's pr pretty much all the questions that I have for you. Um, okay. I, I really want to, I'm going to turn on my video just so you can see me just, you know, it's just a nice thing to do. Uh, hopefully it works. We'll see there. Can you see me? There you go. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thank you so much for, um, for, um, coming on the show and I know you're busy and I know you have a lot going on really, truly. I mean this, uh, 
your character in that film is absolutely is one of the memor- it's one of the most memorable scenes in both films. It's really great. You seemed like you your character belonged there. Your delivery of the lines it just it felt like an extension of JF Sebastian. Like you just felt like one of those characters. You just felt completely authentic. And uh, it's rare. It's it's a rare thing I think when you make a, a or a part of a project that can move the life of other people and can move it uh, in a, in a very profound way. Um, so I, I just, again, want to thank you and for coming on and taking the time and your participation in the film. It's really a great thing. I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. Uh. Uh. Pretty fractured. Not much on it. One of the last gens pre-prohibition. Standard issue made by Tyrell. And? Unremarkable. Unremarkable. There must be something else we can find, right? To find out more about Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, please visit us on our website at www.perfectorganism.com. Shoulder of Orion is available for listen or download through Apple iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. If you'd like to join in the discussion, please join our official Facebook discussion group, Fields of Calantha, a Blade Runner discussion group.